One of the greatest tools that you can have in the world of sales is your ability to know where you are in your own timing, in your own sequence, and either why you're closing deals or why you're not closing deals. Every single message you deliver is really a sales call. Either you are selling or being sold. Salespeople love to brag about their skills. And the truth is, your success in closing sales depends on your skills, your abilities, and finding the right training. And the great news is, you have come to the right place here at The How to Sell Show with your hosts, Dale Bell and Scott Sylvanbell. And be sure to join the party at howtosell.live and download your copy of The 10 Common Mistakes Salespeople Make. Aloha from Sacramento, California today. Today's a fantastic day. I'm coming to you live from the How to Sell Show studios, and we are on episode 153. Sales are cyclical. Sales are cyclical. And, you know, if, you, if you're if you in sales long enough, you're going to see that there's uh, typical ups and downs. And when you know what to look for, you can, you can turn a sales slump back into a, a massive sales cycle. You can advert crisis. You can see what other people are going to do. And it's very telling, but it's not 100% exact, okay? So you, you can't look at a sales cycle and say, hey, on November 23rd of next year, I'm going to be a closer. That's not, that's, <laughs> that's not the way what I mean. Statistically speaking, you're going to run through different types of buyers, different types of sales. You're going to have, and, and this is common in all industries, you're going to have a period of time where like nothing can stop you and you close every deal. You're going to have a cycle of cancellations. You're going to have a cycle of complaints. You're going to have a cycle of credit rejects. You're going to have a cycle of, of people coming back. And when you're paying attention to the cycles, you can figure out that when, kind of if and when that's going to happen. Not Not always exactly. Uh, I remember that I would go through periods of cancellations. I'd be like, I'm just in my cancellation period. I just got to, I got to live through it. I got to do all my work I'm supposed to do. Somewhere in my presentation, I might be talking people into a cancellation. So I'd go back and watch my video recording of when I was on the top. Then I'd make a recording of my presentation. And sometimes I'd find, I'd be like, okay, I'm talking people into canceling. Um, Credit rejects, I couldn't do anything about because I didn't have any ability to stop somebody coming in to talk to me that had bad credit. Um, You just, you, you look that when you're having a tough time in life, you typically tend to get more complaints. And then when you're on top, you tend to get more complaints because you say things to walk away from deals. Cause like if you're closing a ton of deals, you don't need the money. So the, the, this, this whole thing, if you're charting it and you're thinking through it, it can, it can really help you out immensely. And the key to this is taking good notes. You can kind of spot some trends before they happen. You can kind of push through some trends before they happen but you have to be a willing you have to be willing to be accountable to somebody. Okay, so if it's not you it's a CRM. If it's not you and a CRM it's going to be a manager. You know, it's just the way that it is in sales. Typically closers are accountable for themselves. Um, other salespeople aren't. And I don't mean that to be mean. It's just it's the 80/20 rule. 20% of salespeople will go out there do what it takes to make a sale happen. They'll send thank you cards, they'll make follow-up phone calls, they'll do follow-up emails, they'll do surprise drop-in visits, and then the other 80% of salespeople will complain why they're not closing deals because they can't hold themselves accountable. And so when you're when you're new and you're new in sales, your sales cycle it, you can you can draw it out like a very long sloping mountain where it's got a very like almost like a really 
really long triangle. Okay. Uh, when you're new, you're going to draw it a little bit differently. It's going to be short sides, almost like a trapezoid, short sides, long plateau at the top, and, and you're good to go. And the reason for this is when you're new, you run through cycles quick. When you're brand new, because you're not used to things. When you're brand new in sales, it's not, it's not easy for you to see the cycles that are coming. So this is why I tell salespeople most of the time, it takes about two to 400 sales pre- presentations for you to break in. And most people don't want to hear that because they're like, no, I only want to do it in 10. Well, very rarely on a Wednesday when there's a full moon and you stub your toe and get out of bed, do you find a closer that just automatically comes in and does that? Everybody else has to put in the hard work. That's, that's the unhidden truth in sales. Everybody's got to put in the hard work. Everybody starts out sucky for the most part. There are some people who are naturally talented and can sell, you know, ice to an Eskimo, you know, uh, catch up to a lady in white gloves, whatever saying that you want to use. So if you're brand new in sales, your cycles are going to be short and quick. If you're, if you've been in sales for a long time, your cycles are probably going to be, um, a short ramp up through the difficult times and the sucky times, and then a long, longer term plateau. And once again, this, this is a bell curve. And the cool thing about bell curves is you can draw them really short. You can draw them really long. You can draw them really tall. You can draw them really deep. Um, everybody has their own time frame. So my time frame isn't going to be your time frame. My, my sales skills are not your sales skills. And so here's what I've identified. I've given you, I'm going to give you six. I've identified six stages. We could probably add 15 or 20 of these, but there's really six major stages on a bell curve. Once again, my timeline isn't your timeline. So the reason I'm saying this is sometimes people get caught up and say, oh, like this isn't how I operate. Okay, that, that's fine. Just, just go through this with me. So if you draw a bell curve and on the left-hand side, you label it the climb, that's where you're getting momentum. So if you go to YouTube and you look up uh, vehicles running up sand dunes, what they normally do is they get a long, they get way back, they get way back and then they floor it and then they get enough momentum to get to the top. Well, that's the climb. That's where, that's where you're like, okay, I just got out of a sales slump or I'm just getting in brand new to sales. This is where the climb comes in and momentum is weird and it can be slow or fast. Okay. And you're heading up the side of a bell curve. You may, you may talk yourself into some momentum phrases. Like I can do this. This is going to be hard, but it's going to be worth it. You have a positive outlook on life. So on the left side of the bell curve, it's positive. It's all the stuff that goes along with creating momentum. So just draw a plus on the left side of the bell curve. And then, so the next is towards the top. The top of the bell curve is going to be the par. This is where you're closing and things are good. You've got your momentum. You know, you're like, okay, I'm closing and things are good. And, And you feel like your feet are underneath you. You've got some confidence. Not arrogance, confidence. And you could say things to yourself like, I'm back. I close deals. I'm good. I'm fantastic. I'm amazing. Next up, the heater. And I'm going to borrow this term from a gambling terminology. And the heater is when you win everything. So on a heater, you close everything. You have massive, massive momentum on your side. And you say things to like to yourself like, I'm the best. I can close anyone. I am the greatest man alive. And so somewhere near the middle of the bell curve, you're going to draw a line at the top, just so it's going to be like a marker. And I want you to write the word ego, ego, because there's a point, including with me, 
the ego creates a massive problem. And the massive problem is this. It causes you to lose deals, okay? So you once you hit a heater, then you hit a plateau. It's where you feel like you're doing good, but there's kind of like a eh, eh, ambivalence. And so, you know, you, you got a little bit of slippage. And so what, what will happen is you may, you may wake up one morning and your fuel is just gone. You're like, what just happened? I, I just, I feel like I've lost momentum. I feel like, um, I don't know. I just don't feel it. This is what salespeople will usually explain to me when we talk through about the plateau. Like I just, yeah, yeah. It's a bad form of ambivalence. It's just, it's, it's not that good. And so you start having doubts. And you start saying like, am I really, am I really this good? Um, do I deserve to close? Because some people have a real, really weird relationship with money and I'm not knocking you if this is you. Um, do I really deserve this? You know, and then there starts being doubt. Can I really do this? And this doubt causes you a lot of problems. Doubt in the mind of a salesperson, uh, not good. So you, you, you were on a heater and then you hit a plateau and then that plateau starts sliding down to the right side of the bell curve. And this is the negative side. And this is like subpar where you're not closing. And what you got to know is there's really two, two major things that create backslide and a loss of closing deals. And one of them is an ego issue. And remember, I, I had you put that on the top of the mountain. I had you put that on top of the bell curve and you, you, you go through this path that I'm the best and nobody can tell me what to do or how to do it. You know, I'm, I'm a grown man. You can't tell me what to do. I'm a grown woman. You can't tell me what to do. And you start getting attitude. You know, the people in the office sometimes will say like, what is going on with you? What's the problem? And you start getting into fights. You know, there, there's a point where in, in fights, I don't always mean physical. I mean, it could just be altercations. It could just be that you're not getting along with somebody because you're feeling the pressure. You're like, I was just freaking closing deals. I was closing everything. And I don't know where the magic went. I don't, I, I don't get this. I don't understand. And I want to let you know, this is a common feeling because I've gone through it. And occasionally I still go through it. Okay. And then I like, I'll, what I'll do is when I'm struggling with sales, I'll pull out uh, a piece of paper, a blank piece of paper. I'll go to the whiteboard and I'll be like, okay, where am I at in my cycle? I've been, I should have been tracking this. I should have been tracking this. And the tracking it isn't to necessarily push you from one stage to another. It's, it's meant to keep you in the stage that you're supposed to be in. So when you're taking a look at this and you know, you know what's going on and you can feel what's going on, it's your job to either move to the left or move to the right. So pushing you into the stage that you're supposed to be in. So you, you can go through ego issues, for real. I go through these two. I'm pointing my fingers at myself. If you, if you could see a video, which there's not, you would see that I'm pointing fingers at myself. And you just, like, I'm the best, I'm the greatest, turns into, you know, I'm, I'm a sales thug. And uh, people end up not wanting to be around you. They can, feel, they can feel the energy shift. There's definitely an energy shift. Or here's the second reason it happens. You have a major event that happens in your life. I want, to, I want to explain one thing on the ego trip, okay? The ego trip could also be, I've got plenty of money in the bank and I don't need this. So, like, it's really weird that when salespeople hit a magic number in their head of a, a number of money in their bank account, money or monies, let's just give you a random number, 10 grand, 50 grand, 100 grand. 
they're like, I've got a pile of money, which that's not really necessarily a few money. Okay. Uh, in fact, I think the number is pegged somewhere around 30 million in the bank before you can say you have a few money. So fudge, fudge you money as they refer to it as. Okay. And then the next thing that happens is, um, a major, a major event happens in your life and it's either get or lose. Okay. Get a girlfriend, get a boyfriend, get a husband, get a wife, get a house, get a pool, uh, get a new animal. Those are the typical things that will cause somebody to go and slide away from closing deals and going down the right side of the bell curve into subpar. And, you know, you can tell yourself like everything's going to be okay. Um, I, I'm, I'm good. I'm just going to let things go for a while. Like you literally tell yourself that you're going to let things slide. And then what happens is number stage six, number <laughs> Stage number six, free fall. And free fall in sales is panic plus the loss of control. And I want you to understand how important this is. I don't know if you've ever been near somebody who's in panic mode. Uh, They're not very rational. In fact, they can be downright dangerous. Uh, I think back of a couple of times where I've pulled drowning people out of the river and it was a dangerous position for me to be in because they might've pulled me under. And one time I was out on the North shore of Oahu and I was at three tables, Sharks Cove. So I was actually at three tables. I was at three tables and there were some people in the surf and it was, this had to be a December or January because the surf was freaking huge. And when you're standing at three tables on the right, there's kind of a bay past the, the three tables of rocks and there's surge that will pull you right back into the ocean. So no matter how hard you're swimming, the waves will just keep pulling you back and forth. And my car was parked right there at the parking lot. And to get over to the beach is like maybe a 20 second walk. And so there's a couple of people that are being pulled into the surf, into the big waves, and then the waves are crashing on them and pushing them under. And they're, they're in panic mode. You know, they're, they're screaming and yelling. And I'm looking at my car and I'm sitting here thinking like, this is freaking dangerous for me. I don't have a flotation device. Um, If I go in there and I try to save them, I mean, there's a possibility of me getting pulled underneath with them. So I call my brother my brother's a fire captain and he did swift water teams. And I call him and I'm like, dude, I'm about to watch some people drown. And this is about to be going to be the worst thing ever. And I said, man, I've got, uh, dive fins. I've got flippers as some people call them. I got dive fins in my trunk and I'm standing next to my trunk right now. I can go get them. And he was like, Scott, when people are in panic mode, they're dangerous. Those people can pull you under and they will sacrifice you for themselves. He goes, you know, do you know if anybody's called 911? Do you know if anybody's coming? And then I hear the sirens. Okay. I hear the, the lifeguard beach patrol coming through and thank goodness there was a surfer that came by, you know, surfers, typically pulled people out of the water all the time that are having struggle swimming. And he jumped in and he put somebody on his board and swam them into shore, which wasn't too far. It was just that the, the surge going back was so strong that without a flotation device, you wouldn't, you wouldn't get to go where you need to go. And so this surfer saved both people in the, in the lifeguards pull up and they were about to have to go jump in the water and save these guys. Now, 
the reason the reason I shared that story with you is it's entirely possible to go into free fall. And uh, when you're in free fall, you tend to start taking people with you. You tend to start pulling and gravitating towards very negative things. You start, uh, you end up with the, the complainers and what management looks as the whiners and the losers. So the management, I will tell you this, in every company kind of labels a group of salespeople as whiners and losers and not very good. And so in their mind, when you're in free fall, you start hanging out with those people because you start complaining and you start blaming everybody but yourself in free fall. Why do I keep getting the bad leads? Why do people keep doing this to me? How come? And it's never your fault until you wake up, until you get coaching, training, or someone goes, hey, you got to snap out of it. You're in free fall. You're, you're in panic mode. You feel like you got loss of control. And I've had salespeople go, you can't tell me what to do. And so they either get asked to leave or they leave on their own fruition. But like how you talk to yourself in free fall really matters because like just think about like all the negative things that that salespeople will say when they're in a sales slump. Why do I keep getting the bad leads? How come I keep getting all the bad buyers? How come? But it's never their fault. They never want to take responsibility. They never want to take ownership. And so it's a big poor me trip. It's a big poor me. Oh my goodness. It's everybody else's fault but mine. So you're like, okay, Scott, so what can I do with this bell curve now that I know about it? Well, hopefully you drew, drew it out and you went through from left to right. You got the climb, the par, the heater, the plateau, subpar, and then free fall. And there's going to be a point where you walk into the office and you look and you are going to instantly know that a salesperson is in free fall. You're going to recognize, oh my goodness, this person's in free fall. You're also going to recognize the point where like someone's in a heater mode where they're just closing deals left and right and you can't stop them. Like everything is against them. Whatever type of buyer in your mind that doesn't buy, yeah, they close them. Whatever objection is that you don't think you can overcome, yeah, they got it. Everybody goes through this, okay? It's just, it depends upon what you're going to do with it. Are you going to map it out? Are you going to know what options you have? Are you going to take the time to look and say, hey, here's what my capabilities are? You know, the good news for you is most salespeople are lazy and they won't do it. They just don't. They'll, they'll hear it and they'll go, yeah, I know that stuff. But they don't actually put pen to paper and put in the work. And then my, my question for you is, what stage are you in right now? Okay, I'll, I'll give you mine. I'm in a plateau. I, I close some deals. Things are good. And my brain's going, hey, Scott, things are good. So I'm doing everything I can to push back and go back into heater mode. And these are real cycles that just about every salesperson goes through. And if you look at where you are, you can pretty much point out by what you say to yourself, what mode that you're in. That's why you've really got to pay attention to the self-talk that you have. That's why you've really got to pay attention to the people that you associate with. You know, I, I tend to look at the news for a few minutes a day, if that. Because if you get too caught up in what's going on, everything's bad. The sky is falling. And that, that can put you in subpar, that can put you in free fall, that, that can cause a lot of problems for you. But like, just take some time and map it out. Thanks for checking out this episode of the How to Sell Show. You can join the party at howtosell.live to get the show notes, links, updates on new episodes, recordings of previous episodes, articles, as well as videos. You may not know this sales secret, 
but sharing this episode with a friend will bring you good luck. See you soon. Mahalo. Mahalo.